man, 2022 was amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Are you ready for what God has for you in 2023? I like how Pastor Dave said it. Buckle up. Come on. You know, each year we are given a gift. And today's message is called The Gift of a New Year. I was thinking this week, what's the best thing we could talk about for day one of 2023? Which, by the way, great job being in church day one of 2023. Come on. Love that. Love that hunger for God. So I was thinking we could talk about rhythms. That would be good for the year. We could talk about Sabbath and work. We could talk about relationships. Uh, we could talk about a rule of life. There are like a lot of good things. We could do three keys for success, for hitting your goals. But there's one thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing. One thing that can change our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I was thinking about this one thing, and it's like this big epic thing like in Avengers Endgame when Tony Stark asked Doctor Strange what are the chances of survival against Thanos you guys know what I'm talking about and Doctor Strange he holds up one shaky finger he's like one one thing in Luke 10 38 Jesus and his disciples are traveling from town to town now as they went on their way it says he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, "Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me." But the Lord answered her, "Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. So we got Martha, and she's like, Jesus, come to my house. And so he comes to her house. She's like, yes, this is amazing. Jesus is going to be at my house. Oh, shoot, I got to go home and clean really quick and put away the kids' toys. You know, I got to make the vacuum lines on the carpet. Oh, and also I need to cook dinner. I wonder how Jesus likes his steak. Man, there's so much to do. Martha is probably a bit of a perfectionist. How many of us are perfectionists in the room? I love the people being so vulnerable on the video sharing their stories. Come on. You know, Martha's probably a firstborn. She's like, everything has to be perfect for Jesus. He's Jesus. And then there's Martha's sister, Mary, and she's more of a free spirit. Any free spirits here? She's probably secondborn. She's like, it's Jesus in our house. And I don't want to miss what he's saying. So she sits right down at his feet. She probably takes out her journal and she's like, this is amazing. And in their culture, women weren't allowed to learn from rabbis. So what she was doing was not the right thing. Like she should have been in the kitchen. And Martha says, Jesus, this isn't fair. Tell her to help me. Don't you care? I'm doing the right thing here. But Jesus says, you are worried and distracted by many things. They're not bad things. In fact, they're good things, but you only need one thing. You'll always have stuff to do, but there is a better part. Jesus says, I'm waiting to meet with you. I'm waiting to meet with you, people of hope. So Martha, she could be making a great dinner, but if she doesn't put Jesus first, the one thing first, then if her dinner turns out amazing, she's going to put all her identity in that and be like, oh, I'm awesome because I cook good. Or if she burns dinner... She's going to put her identity in that and be like, I'm a failure. Oh my gosh, I messed up dinner. Everybody's like spitting out their food at the table. It's terrible. But if 
you put it in its proper perspective, if you put Jesus first, then your identity is resting in him. Jesus gave his life on the cross so that we can trust him. And when we trust him, his blood cleans out anything in us that can't be in God's presence, in his holy presence. And then when we're cleaned out, he fills us with his Holy Spirit. It's like we welcome him into our home. The Bible says he makes his home in us. It's just like Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. But unlike Martha, he's not going anywhere. He moves in permanently. You're not a motel room for him to stop by every now and then. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing temple of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's so exciting. When he was first in my home, in my temple, I spent so much time getting to know him. Like, Jesus, you're here. I was like Mary. I was enthralled by him, worshiping him, spending time reading about him, getting to know, you know, who I am because of him. I felt like Peter. He said to Jesus, where else can I go and what else can I do? You hold the keys to life. You have everything, Jesus. I love you. I want to be with you. And then I got distracted, a little bit like Martha. You know, distraction is the enemy of the Holy Spirit. I got distracted by tasks and life demands on my time and some good things that were to serve Jesus. But when you start doing for God without being with God, you get frustrated and you get tired and you get burnt out on religion and you put your identity in dead works and what the Bible calls filthy rags and what you do and you feel restless and insecure and empty. Jesus says only one thing is needed. But most of us don't actually believe it because if we really believed it, we would do it. Subconsciously, we read that and we're like, yeah, Jesus, there is actually more than one thing. Like, have you seen my to-do list? I'll do all the things and then I will spend time with you, like a little reward, cherry on top. After I accomplish my goals, after I finish that project, after I clean the house, after I work out, after I eat, after work, after school, after I hang out with my family, I'll give you whatever time I have left. Might be a lot of time, I don't know. I was reading this week about George Mueller, and he uh, lived in England in the 1800s, and he ran uh, five orphanages with uh, 10,000 orphans, which is crazy if you think about it. I mean, how did they even communicate? You know, they didn't have phones or texting or email or anything. How did he run all those orphanages? How did he serve all those kids? I mean, obviously the answer is with God's help. But I love it because he is quoted as saying, I make time to spend God spend, I make time to spend with God every day. And there's a story of him talking to this one guy who works 14 hours a day at another job. And he's like, man, you need to stop doing that. Like, it's not healthy for your marriage. It's not healthy for your family. And it's not good for your relationship with God. And the guy's like, listen, I can't. I have to work 14 hours to feed my family. And as the man walked away, Mueller said, he doesn't believe if he gives time to God's word first, that God will take care of his needs. He doesn't believe in the one thing. You know, I would say I'm probably like that man more often than I would like to admit it. I think if I can work harder and invest more time, then I'll finish everything, and then I find my identity in what I produce, and that's religion, and it leaves me stressed, and Jesus has a better way. He says, sit down at my feet like Mary, rest in my presence, keep your eyes focused on me, 
and receive my unmerited favor. Keep company with me. You'll learn how to live freely and lightly. You know, we cannot add an hour to our day. Have you tried? You can't do it. But we can invest time with the one who redeems time. He says only one thing is needed. One thing will remain. One thing cannot be taken away from you. One everything else in life can. If you look back over this year, I'm sure you've got some big things that you're celebrating, life milestones, really good things. And there's probably some heartaches, some hard things that you remember. And I was reading people's Facebook posts yesterday just about how their paragraph of their year and just celebrating with them. Like, that's so cool. But as I looked at each of those paragraphs, you know, we left out all the daily distractions. We leave out the things that we spend time worrying about, things that we might have spent a lot of time worrying about because even though those things were big at the time, they're so temporary. But our relationship with God, that's what remains. Our relationship with him is what matters most. It's the one thing that gives our lives meaning. It's the one foundation that is firm. It supports all the other life things. It's the one thing that satisfies your thirst. And without that one thing, you'll be thirsty for lesser things. You'll be thirsty for approval from people. You weren't created to get approval from people. You'll be thirsty for food that fills your emotional voids. You'll be thirsty for relationships that you shouldn't be in because you're empty on the inside and your heart is longing for eternity. It's longing for Jesus. But the good news is you can go to him and drink and he doesn't just fill it, he overflows it. Come on. John 7, 37 says, Jesus said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. You see, we live in a special time because Jesus has been glorified. He was resurrected and he went to heaven and he sent us the Holy Spirit. And we're living in the age that God promised when he said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. He gives us his spirit who is fully a part of who he is. Jesus says, come to me and drink. He doesn't say come to me and serve. That's nice. Or come to me and praise. He likes that. Or come to me for someone else and go away empty. He says, come to me and drink and rivers of living water will flow from within you. He's talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the places in your life that used to be thirsting for purpose, for meaning, for more, they get overflowed in him. And it's not just for you, but it's for you to source from so you can serve other people it's the thing that Martha lacked when she was serving. And then when you walk into a room, the spirit of God in your life, it shifts the atmosphere. And the people around you, they start to feel peace and joy. And they're like, wow, something is different in this place. And they can't put their finger on it. But you're carrying God's presence because he makes his home in you. And his presence changes things. There's a personal anointing that every believer has with God. It's his presence and his power in your life. And then there's an empowering anointing that God gives you to serve others, where he takes the gifts that you already have and he magnifies them for his glory. When he gives you gifts, 
They're gifts to serve the people around you. They are gifts that someone in your life needs. They're not for you. They're not for me. Any of my gifts, they're for you guys. Any of your gifts, they're for the people in your life because they need them. Your anointing increases through your prayer life. Jesus said, when you pray, when you spend time with God alone, your Father will reward you. When you spend time with God personally, he'll change your life and you'll become more like him. But if you don't spend time with him because you're distracted like Martha, then there's no overflow in your life. And you won't be able to give away what God has given you because when you go to pour, it's dry and you're empty. Maybe you drink from him on Sunday, which is such a good thing. But then a few days later, you know, it's like Wednesday and you're starting to feel thirsty. I mean, in your physical life, if you don't drink water for three days, you die. In your spiritual life, if you don't source from him, man, you're going to feel dry. Your inner man is going to feel thirsty. And you'll start to pour from a place that's dry and you're uncomfortable and you'll feel busy and worried and troubled about many things like Martha. And you're like, I can't wait for the weekend. And you feel frustrated with people. Or you try to fill the dry places with everything except for time with Jesus. You're like, oh man, I just need recharged. I think I'll go for a spa day. Or, ah, I'm going to watch some football. That'll fill me up. And those aren't bad things. We do self-care. But it leaves us thirsty because there's one thing we actually need. And if we'll focus on the one thing, we'll have power for all the other things. For our New Year's resolutions, to eat healthy, to exercise, to read books, to create a budget. And he empowers us to forgive. He empowers us to change. He empowers us to love like Jesus. All the good things that we want to do come out of who we are in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.20 said, He is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. He can do more than we can imagine according to his power in us. How many times have you said, I'm going to pray, but then you didn't. Or I'm going to read my Bible, but I forgot. Or I was going to work out, but I just hit snooze. It's like I just lack power. We're going to invite that person to church, but we got distracted. That's because we were depending on our own power. We need a source that's more powerful than us. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's the one thing that will make this year different. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We can try to do, 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 but without his power, without the spirit, we can't do anything. If you depend on your flesh, you'll fail. Paul said, what I want to do, I don't do, and then what I don't want to do, I actually do, but through the Holy Spirit, it's not our ability. It's his ability through us. It's us yielding to his power and letting him do what he does best. We just put him first in our lives. If you'll focus on the one thing, you won't have to worry about the many things. Jesus puts it like this, Matthew 6, 25. We'll put it on the screens for you. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
You are so valuable to God. Verse 27, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? There it is. Can't add time to our life. I read this verse when I was like 17 or 18 and I was like, whoa, I'm going to stop worrying because it does nothing. It's like the, the truth of this verse just became so real to me. Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or what goals shall we make in 2023? For people who don't know God run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. One thing, seek God first. He doesn't say don't seek food or don't seek clothes. You need clothes. If you don't clothes, you'll be naked, and that's not good. He says when you seek God first, all these other things will be given to you. It's like Martha and Mary. Not that you shouldn't make dinner like Martha. We need to eat. But he said Mary chose the better part. Mary got to sit at the feet of Jesus. Technically, Jesus is in heaven right now. He sits at the right hand of the Father. So what does that mean for us? Well, Jesus sent us the person of the Holy Spirit. He's the part of God who is all around you. And if you've trusted in Jesus, he's in you. He is no less God than Jesus. He's no less God than God the Father. He's the voice of God who speaks to you. He's the power of God in your life. God is three in one. Father, God who created everything, Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. It says, the grace of Jesus be with you. That's from Jesus dying on the cross for you. It says, the love of God be with you. That love is what God sent by sending his son Jesus for us. And then it says, the, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. So the cross and the love of God, those things refer to what he's already done, but the Holy Spirit is now for our present God doesn't expect you to do life by yourself. He freely gives the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks. Just like he loved us so much, he gave Jesus for us. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God the Father, and he's the Spirit of God the Son. And he wants to have an intimate friendship with us. That's so cool. He wants to share his heart with you. He wants you to share your heart with him. He wants you to talk to him right where you're at. Things you need to process. He wants to help you with those. Things you're excited about. Things you're worried about. Things you're mad about. He wants to spend time with you and bring you closer to Jesus. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. It's like being married. You know, you have an intimate friendship with your spouse. My husband Jay and I have been married almost 16 years. It'll be 16 this May. Yeah. And we have an intimate friendship. You know, we share our hearts with each other. We enjoy the blessings of being married. We spend time together. But we don't have to do that. I mean, you could choose not to take advantage of all the blessings that God has given you in marriage. You could choose to not talk to each other. You know, we all have days where maybe we are just like so busy, we don't get to connect. 
And it's the same thing with us, with Jesus. When you trusted in him, you became united to him. And that kind of intimacy that you have afterwards, it's really up to you. If you choose to spend time with him, if you, if you don't choose to spend time with him, it's not like he'll be mad at you, but you're going to miss out on what he has for you. Your life with Jesus is meant to be lived and enjoyed and worked out to the point where it changes you. It heals you. It helps you to become who God made you to be. It draws other people to God. So what does that look like, an intimate friendship? I mean, it sounds great, but what does it look like? Well, for me, when I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I read it in a book once, and I'm like, I want that for my life. I love that. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And then you know what? He likes to have breakfast with me. My family's still in bed, having breakfast with the Holy Spirit. I have this um, place on my couch where I sit, and I have a nice cozy blanket, and I get out my devotional, and I just read a page in there. Um, Sometimes I'll read a chapter from the Bible, and then I just pray, and I talk to him. We enjoy our time together, and then I get ready for work. I put on my makeup and stuff and get everybody else around. I go throughout the day, and I'm talking to him constantly. You know, when I'm stressed about something, I'm praying. When I'm excited about something, I'm just like, thank you, that's awesome. I talk to him. And then at night, uh, my family and I, we try to pray together. We're still working on doing that consistently every night. But then uh, after everybody's gone to bed, I spend more time with him. Like, I don't know maybe 10 or 20 minutes just praying and then listening. It's so important to listen and let him talk back. It's a relationship. And then I go to bed. Sometimes it'll be longer. Sometimes it'll be shorter. There's really no formula. But the thing is, God doesn't ask you to pray for hours upon hours upon hours. You can if you want, but really, he just wants to spend time with you. I also pray in my prayer language because there are some things that I don't know I need yet. The Bible says that it edifies us when we speak in tongues. And that word edifies, it's like recharging a battery. That's what it means in the Greek. It's recharging. It's refueling. And I need that, so I do that. And the Spirit of God is better at praying for me than I am for me. Like, He knows everything. And so I just let Him do the praying sometimes because I'm I'm not as good at it as He is. Um, this past week, uh, my son was here, he's, he's five years old, and we were here, and he was helping the cleaning team, and my husband was um, working on some sound stuff, and I just popped out to get dinner for everybody for a couple minutes, and while I was uh, out getting dinner, I just felt so worried for my son, and I was like, that is crazy, he's fine, like he's around lots of people, he's safe, you know, the building's locked, nobody can get in. And I don't know what to do, so I just started speaking in tongues and just praying for him. And then I came back to the church five minutes later, and um, he had drank some, uh, some floor cleaner. He thought it looked pretty like juice. And so he's like, I think that'll taste good. It did not taste good. And thankfully, he's fine. God protected him. Um, he only drank a little bit, and it wasn't poisonous. <laughs> but I could not have known that. The Holy Spirit knows that. He's everywhere all at once. So when you have a burden to pray for someone, he helps you to do what you cannot do. He knows what you don't know. Um, He helps us in our weaknesses. He prays when we have no words. I think sometimes we don't relate to him because we feel like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not spending enough time with him. Like, what if I only have five minutes? Maybe it's not enough. And then we feel guilty and defeated. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to feel. 
because God loves spending time with you. And guilt and shame and condemnation, they're not from him. So anytime you feel that, remember, it's from the enemy. Spend time with God. He loves to spend time with you. Sometimes we miss a day. That's okay. Sometimes I miss a day of like talking really well to my spouse and to my husband. You know, it's like you're just busy and you don't talk. And the next day you're like, hey, I'm so sorry we didn't get to connect yesterday. I missed you. I love you. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. It's not like we just stop talking to our spouse like, whoops, I forgot to talk to you. Now I can never talk to you again. It's ruined. No, no, no. Just apologize and pick up where you left off. It's a relationship. It's an intimate friendship. And you'll know if you haven't been talking to him because you'll feel like Martha. You're going to feel stressed and worried. You might feel lonely. Like I'm missing something. Oh, yeah. I want to spend time with my best friend. You can come back to him at any time. We live by the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. How do we do that? We just get to know his voice. He's the still, small voice that you hear when you're about to fall asleep. He's the one that reminds you, Hey, I want to hang out with you. Have you prayed today? Have you read your Bible? Have you spent time with me today? He wants to know you. He's the one who nudges you to tell people about Jesus when you're like, Wow, I feel so much compassion for that person I don't even know. He's the one nudging you. He's the one who encourages you to apologize when you're wrong. Not from a place of guilt or condemnation, but reminding you who you are because of Jesus. He helps you to become who you've been created to be because he sees your potential. And he sees the steps of faith that you need to take to get there. And when he does that, when you hear him, just respond to him. Just say yes to him. Get out of bed. Whatever he's talking to you to do, go do it. You can choose to ignore him and do your own thing, but why would you want to do that? He sees your whole future. Like he knows every inch of the road ahead. He knows every curve, every pothole. He knows what's best for you. Why not say yes to him? Come on. When we yield to his leading, it's called surrender. And we do that in our relationships all the time. You know, we might have one preference or we want, might want to do this thing and our spouse is like, no, let's do this. And we're like, okay, that sounds good. We yield. This year is a year of filling for our church. But God can only fill what we trust him with. He can only fill what we surrender to him. There's a story in 2 Kings that I want to close with. It's about the prophet Elisha and a woman with some jars of oil. In 2 Kings 4.1, says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know he revered the, the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her. She kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. The oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So when she stopped presenting the jars, the oil stopped flowing. 
In the Bible, oil represents the Holy Spirit. And when we put limits on our surrender, the Holy Spirit can't fill those places in our lives. It's not that he doesn't want to. It's that he gives us free will. And he won't fill places we don't want to surrender to him. It's like we put a lid on those jars. We're like, here you go, God. You can have the family jar. I surrender that to you. I trust you. You can have the church jar. But uh, let me just keep the work jar over here just in case. You know, I don't want to totally surrender it to you. We put limits on him out of fear. We put limits on out of lack. We put limits on because of our experiences. And we think limits will keep us safe but they just keep us from experiencing everything God has for us. Those are lies from the enemy when we put limits on ourselves. We don't have to protect ourselves from God. You can trust him with every area of your life. When his spirit gently nudges you to take a bold step, to take a risk, to serve someone, to commit, I'm gonna tell you a secret, you're probably not gonna feel ready, but it's not about feeling ready. It's not about our feelings at all. It's about trust. It's about resting in him and relying on him to bear fruit in your life, to do what you cannot do, relying on him. He's the one we trust. He's the one we rest in. He's the one who bears fruit. We stay connected to him. We'll always lack something, whether it's courage or strength or wisdom or money or influence or experience or education. But those are places we can trust him because he's faithful. And if we will focus on the one thing, it will not be taken away from us. If we will drink from him, he says, rivers of living water will flow from within us. He says, if we will put him first, if we'll seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, the other things will be given to us as well. Holy Spirit wants you to experience all that God has for you. It's like that big bag of gifts we've been talking about during this crafted series. You know, you wake up on Christmas morning and this bag from God is under your Christmas tree and it's full of presents with your name on it. And you open salvation and you're like, thank you, Jesus. But there are more gifts available to you. But it's up to you to receive them and unwrap them. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, God has actually given us his spirit to tell us about the wonderful free gifts of grace and blessing that God has given us. His spirit tells us about what he's given us. I don't want to miss out on any of those gifts. I don't want the people around me to miss out on anything that God has for them. I love the book Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. I read it when I was a teenager and it changed my life. One of the things he said was, I despaired at the thought of my life passing me by without God moving mightily in our behalf. We are not here to do religion or have a dead church. We're here for God to use us to change our city. We're here to be a city on a hill that shines so brightly that people are drawn to hear about Jesus because he's the only hope for humanity. Without him, the people that we love and care about, the Bible says they're lost. They're missing out on the one thing that will change their lives. But in order for them to get it, we have to get it. One thing. This new year, it's so easy to be worried and distracted by the many things. It's so easy to start off worn out, looking at everything we're going to do this year. But only one thing matters for eternity. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 11, 28. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. 
get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Those are the words of Jesus. He says, come to me. Come to me and you'll find rest. Come to me 